Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Wow, good morning, Life in the Sun. How is it this morning? Good? You know, God is good. We say that, don't we? All the time, God is good, right? You know, and, and I was just sitting down there looking, you know, thinking about, okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to, I got my message all, you know, spit shined and polished and all this, but it's really about me connecting with you guys and transferring what God has put in my heart to share with you. And of course, I'm sitting there watching Mark introduce me and say all kinds of wonderful things about me, but how many of you guys kind of shrink back when people start to say good things about you? Right? Because inside we know who we really are. And if it wasn't for the goodness of God, right, we'd be done. I'd be, you know, I'd be sitting down there going, who is he talking about? Because it's not me. (laughs) Right? So these thoughts are really what uh, came across my heart and mind this morning. But uh, before we get started, if you would allow me the privilege to just go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this house and for this family that we're able to meet and greet and worship in front of you and before you. And I just pray for your word uh, to just be delivered to them, Lord, through me in such a way, Father, that I don't get in the way. Father, let your word be true. Let it not be about my opinions or what I think is right. But Father, let it be about what your word says is true and how that has been translated in my life as something that I know. And Father, I just pray over the word. I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and just anoint each heart in this place today. Anoint their ears and give them the ability to hear the truth that you want them to hear this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So was there a video that was... Don't worry about it. Got it. Okay. Let's go ahead with the first slide. And we'll bring that up. Obviously, our, our, this is a second series uh, called Knowing God. And it's really about us understanding who God is, not just universally, but I would say more specifically to each one of us. Who is God? Last week, I had the privilege of uh, sitting in the service over in Saipan, our Life in the Sun Fellowship there. And Sherlyn gave a very good word on knowing God, but I am going to steal some words from her this morning. She said, we never actually graduate from knowing God. I mean, it hit me. You know, I was like, you're right. We always have this mentality that we're just, we need to get it done, right? Okay, knowing God, yep, got it. But the reality is, is God is so huge We never get to the point to where we successfully can say, yeah, I know him. Because he's always revealing more and more of who he is. Amen? So, next slide. So, today's message is the goodness of God. So, again, you know, I shared, you know, God is good, right? We say that statement, we reply all the time. And then all the time, God is good. So, goodness, what is it? Well, there's a lot of, you know, this is for the scholars in the, in the house today, you know, so you can kind of know what it means in the Greek, what the noun means, what the adjective means, and what it means in the Hebrew. Uh, 
It was interesting as I was kind of studying some of this because really when you boil it down, goodness is just that. It's goodness. No matter what language we study it in, no matter where we derive its meaning, it's always going to be the same. But the challenge for us, I think, is really understanding about what its antithesis is. What is the opposite of good? It's evil, right? We wouldn't know goodness if we didn't know evil, right? So there's seven attributes that I am going to share with you on God is good. There's seven attributes of his goodness that I think each one of us maybe have not really defined or paid attention to. And as God was kind of sharing this, you know, it's, I'm always amazed at how he'll just begin to line things up. You know, we, we have things in our heart that we want to, to try to uh, say about the subject or what he is delivering to us. But as we sit before him and we actually sit in his uh, presence and we begin to work through what it is he wants us to share, he begins to line things up specifically and in order. And I love that about God. So God is good, right? We can all agree on that. How do we know? Well, the first place that we can know is the first attribute of God's goodness, which is we experience it. We begin by seeing it maybe in somebody else that claims to follow God, and we begin to observe because we are great observers, right? How many of you guys like going to the mall or sitting somewhere and just people watch? So got some people watchers out there, right? I like doing it too because sometimes it's, it can be kind of amusing, you know? You get the old man that's shuffling along behind his wife, you know? Then you get the little kids that are running all over the place and causing trouble and, you know, and there's some really strange looking people compared to us. You know, we're good looking people, but there's some weird... No, <laughs> so let's go ahead and look at the, the first uh, scripture. This is where we begin to experience God. We, we need to taste him, right? We need to experience who he is in our life. So taste and see that the Lord is good and the joys of those who take refuge in him. Amen? So is God good? Even when we go through trials, right? When disciplined by him, right? How about affliction? These are common areas for us to where the, the, what we believe about God is tested, right? Why does God allow trials? Why does God allow these testings to take place in our life? So we have First Peter here. Peter's all about trials, isn't he? If you follow the story of Peter, he was tested and tried and tested and tried and, you know. But what began to come out of Peter is really the key. Because when we're tried and we're tested and we go through affliction, sometimes the very first thing that comes out of us is us. <laughs> right? God says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what is expected to come out of us? Sin, right? You get poked, you might get punched. So 
how does that look for us as we begin to grow in the grace of God? Well, I learn. You know, just like Paul said, you know, I wouldn't know it was wrong to steal unless the law said, thou shalt not steal. So now I'm beginning to learn that when I'm poked, thou shalt not punch back. <laughs> so I hold it, right? It's like, poke, okay, I'll, I'll take that one, right? I'm, I'm resisting the temptation to poke or to punch you back. But as we grow in grace, we find out that the end game for that is really for us to begin to understand and have a love for the other person that's poking you, right? Because it's not about you being disrespected. It's about you understanding the grace of God and how good he's been to each one of us individually. And as we grow in that goodness and grow in that grace, that trial will begin to uh, display or, uh, how, how can I say it, um, expose who we are. And so what do we do then if it exposes something that we look in the mirror and we go, ah, that is, that's not good. I don't like that. <laughs> I, I'd rather, can, can we turn the mirror the other way? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to look in that mirror anymore. I don't like the mirror. It lies to me. But the reality of God's word is that it is a mirror, right? And it tells the truth. You know, as I was studying, I was reading about, you know, we, we know the scripture, you know, the truth shall set you free. But I believe it was uh, uh, Jamie Buckingham in his book uh, said, yeah, the goodness of God draws us there to the truth. The truth will set us free. But sometimes it makes us miserable before it sets us free. Right? Because <laughs> we look at the truth and go, man, that is not something that I really want to respond with. I'd rather respond this way. Okay? So, you know, as we look at this, First Peter, you know, it talks about trials. It shows what the purpose of those trials are. And it, it is really to begin to expose who God is in each one of us, the goodness of God, so that we begin to choose specifically his way over our own. Right? We begin to want to polish that area of our life, just like the word says, instead of presenting your, your members to unrighteousness, Present yourselves to God as somebody alive from the dead. Amen? And that, yeah, I write this stuff down for a reason. Then I get up here and it's like I'm going everywhere. But his goodness helps us to trust in him, right? Even when everything may be falling apart, we overcome by believing and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's him who helps us to walk in the goodness towards others, so then we can reap the blessings of his work in our life. Amen? Amen? All right, now we can go to point number two. All right, and these are not 20-minute points. We're not going to be here all day. It's universal. We see that God is good to both the evil and the good on the earth. He gives rain. He gives sunshine. He gives all these things to us when we obviously do not deserve it, okay? I remember uh, years ago, I get the VLI, um, there was a course during VLI from R.C. Sproul called the, uh, the Holiness of God. And in that, he made a point. He, he basically said that if you really boil it down to what we truly deserve, every day of our experience, we deserve misery. 
because of who we are. We've rebelled against God. And the fact that even though we have rebelled against him, he still gives goodness to everyone. You know, that's why we sometimes have contentions with our neighbors that don't follow God, and it seems like they're happier than we are. (laughs) But there's a reason for that, okay? You know, we go to the gym and we pump iron, right? We study our books to get better at our jobs or maybe get an education. And you know, we do all kinds of things that are willingly, we willingly torture ourselves to get better. And we say, thumbs up, that's great. But when it comes to God, sometimes we're shaking our fist at him because it's like, why is my life so miserable? But this other guy or gal is, seems to be having the time of their life and they don't even know you. But it's because the purpose of God's goodness also may include a trial or two. It may include that you look at somebody else and you get jealous, and that gets exposed in who you are. But then it also is going to produce something that you have never had before. Holiness, goodness, kindness, self-control. Those sound familiar? Fruits of the Holy Spirit. Trust me, you are not able to produce what God wants out of you. I've tried. (laughs) And I've failed miserably over and over and over. And all it does is just get us frustrated and we end up just rolling over finally and saying, God, I can't take it anymore. Right? Whatever situation may be causing that. But then all of a sudden the goodness of God rushes in and he says, that's where I wanted you to come. I wanted you to come to that understanding. Okay? Because in that universality, we now begin to see what the fruit of that is. So in Luke, Luke tells us to, you know, Jesus through Luke tells us to love our enemies. Really? (laughs) And isn't it funny how sometimes from day to day our enemies change? It could be the person sleeping next to us when she wants to wake me up at five in the morning on a Saturday. You have just become my enemy. Okay. But it's so true. We're fickle. You know, we go up and down with our emotions. And we can be looking at our brother or sister and thinking of them as our enemy. And we can also look at the world that way. We can look at the people that we might in our hearts condemn. We might not like their behavior, okay? But we always have that famous saying, you know, love the sinner, but hate the sin. Because even God says that, you know, hate your sin. Because it stains our life. It stains our representation of who God is. But don't look at it as some kind of heavy obligation, like, you know, Armin was sharing about giving. It's the same thing. God loves a cheerful uh, giver. But that's universal across all of our responses to God. He wants us to do it because we want to, right? Because we've had an awakening in our heart and in our spirit, we move into that part of our life as something fresh and something new. And we realize it wasn't us that did anything to gain it or to even walk in that experience and therefore God gets the glory 
You see, if, if God just made it to where we, we, we follow a set of rules, then guess who gets the glory? I do. I get to put my little, you know, merit badge. We get to wear these sashes up here, right? With all these merit badges of what we've been able, you know, yep, I tithe. I'll sew that one on. Yep, I've learned to tell the truth. I'll sew that one on. But that's not how it works. We begin to put on, as it says in the word, the righteousness of Christ, and that's what people begin to see. Amen? Next point, point number two, or three, I'm sorry. God's goodness is eternal. For before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then even Jesus said, why do you call me good? For only God is truly good. That kind of lowers us a little bit. It helps us to remain humble, you know, because we don't begin then to flaunt the goodness that God has allowed us to experience, the holiness that God may be working in our lives. That is probably one of the most foolish things that we do because not only does it cause us to tarnish maybe what God is trying to do through us, but it also produces things uh, that happen back to us that we may not have bargained for, right? Because we think we're doing good. We think we're flaunting it. We think we're like, man, yes, this is, this is what I should be doing. But then the responses back to us are far and, and wide more negative than they are positive, Okay, that's why humility is probably not one of our most immediate strong suits because we come from a heart and a, and a mind that is lacking. You know, we come from a heart and mind that, that says, no, I need to be validated. I need to be assured that what I'm doing is good and right. So when we begin to really uh, experience that in our life, we find that our, as Paul said, we still have our flesh. We still have our response that sometimes blindsides us. So even while we are doing good, evil is present. It's what it says in Romans 7. So this goodness that we see, it's going to be there no matter what, and it's provided by God forever. Amen? Amen? So that moves into our, our next point. It's irrevocable. God is not going to be lack concerning the good things that you have done in his name. In fact, the calling that he's put on your life, and don't think of this word calling up there as this up here. You know, being called to worship or called to ministry or called to a specific office. We are all called. God is sent out the voice for each one of us to respond to, and that's the calling, and it is irrevocable. And his goodness is behind that, and that goodness is also irrevocable. Amen? The next point is that his goodness is provided to us. I've already shared about what the role of the Holy Spirit is. I already shared that we can't do this on our own. We can't supply our own goodness. Okay? In fact, 
you know, the Old Testament, Isaiah says that even our, our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. That's a sobering word. So that means even in our best attempt, put on our best suit and tie, stand before God and say, here we go. It's like filthy rags. Please take off that suit. You're not demonstrating what that suit represents. Oh my gosh, really God? Yes. Again, that's another one of those humbling moments that we have before God. And believe it or not, that's God's goodness still at work exposing in us what he wants to remove so that we can experience more of his goodness and also begin to display a more accurate representation of who God is in our life. Amen? So, you know, God is not against us. I said it before, he's against our sin. Because it does often misrepresent who he is to the world that is around us, to our friends, to our family, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to those people that we're actually trying to reach, we may be hindering that. You know, uh, I was reading an article this week, and I know, you know, our world is changing. It always is. But as we understand what is coming in the book of Revelation, it is no surprise that the end times are drawing closer, and we can begin to really see the signs of the times, right? And some of those signs is a new generation that is very skeptical of, I guess, institutionalized religion. You know, they would call what we do here uh, institutionalized religion. We gather every Sunday, we go through certain rituals, and we do certain things, but the reality is, is we can hide behind those things, right? And we can become hypocritical to them because our actions are opposite of what we say we believe in, okay? I think that is a blessing. And here's why. It's going to cause us to really look at the purpose of God's goodness in our life. Are we going to really begin to allow him to change us into the image of his son or not? Or are we going to hang on to these old ways stubbornly because they've always been there? They've always been accepted. We could hide behind them in our seats out there. Nobody really knows. Even when you get together with some of your brothers and sisters, you know, we validate each other in these things. We're like, oh, yeah, you know. But the reality is, God is not glorified in that. We're not being successful evangelists when we do that. We're not successfully representing the image of Christ. So the challenge is not for somebody else to change. The challenge is always going to be, how do I respond? Amen? Because the bottom line is, is we are really called. Now I'm going to focus on that word called again. We are really called to magnify him. But we are called to magnify him truthfully. Right? And that kind of falls back on, on what I was saying. But how do we do that? Right? Because God, God's goodness 
the purpose of it is to turn us from those wrong responses. Amen? We, we begin to look at God's goodness in our life, and we say, yeah, why, why do I do those things? When you're so good to me, God, how can I continue to treat people this way or continue in this sin over here when you've proven yourself faithful? But I prove myself unfaithful every single day. But yet you still show up, God. You give me my heart's desire. You give me good things even when I don't deserve them. Right? We've got two words that sometimes I think we take very lightly. Grace and mercy. Everybody knows the difference, right? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And mercy is receiving what we don't deserve. It's being treated in a way that is contrary to my behavior. That's what grace is. That's what goodness is. So when I'm called to do that to my brother and sister, guess what I have to do? I have to do what Jesus did. I have to nail their sin to the cross and get it out of the way so I can treat them with love, dignity, and respect, even though they may be doing something to me that hurts me, even though they may be stabbing me in the back, even though they may be tripping me up in my walk, or at least attempting to. But I often go back to what Jesus represented Do you realize that Jesus was never offended? (laughs) He wasn't. Why? Because he has perfect understanding of what's in all of our hearts. The reason we get offended so easily is because we begin to judge other people's motivations. We begin to judge them based on things that we see. But truthfully, God said, don't do that. Don't judge unless you can do it righteously. Don't judge unless you can do it perfectly. So cease all judgment because there's no way that we're going to be able to do that. Now, is there anything wrong with evaluating or, you know, maybe we can try to call it other words, but the reality is, is yes, we can look at a situation and evaluate it in our own hearts, but please make sure that we're learning how to respond Correctly. Amen? Okay. Is this still good? Okay. Okay. This is really, you know, when, I, when God gave me this verse, I'm like, what does this have to do with your goodness? <laughs> but there's a reality to Romans 2, 9, and 10. And, you know, because sometimes we look at this verse and we go, oh, see, you know, it's based on what I do. You know, I get a reward or I don't. I, it's based on my actions. Yes and no. We have to, you have to go back to the first understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay? So what God is, is saying, if you find that you have trouble and calamity because we keep doing what's evil, then you go to the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, this is a part of my life I can't control. It's out of control. And I'm presenting it to you because of God's goodness. He's given you a way out. He's given you a provision and he's given you a choice. Amen. So the second part there, but there will be uh, glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. All God is really saying in this is because I've given you the provision, because I've given you the choice, 
Choose life. Walk in what is good because I've given you the power to do it. Lower your expectations on other people. And raise the expectation that I can change you. That I can help you. That I can walk with you in the midst of what I'm calling you to do. That may be very challenging, right? I might want to punch that person. But Lord, thank you, you put an an angel in front of my fist and it it didn't go anywhere. Right? We might want to send out that zinging email and say, you know, shame on you and I don't like you. I love you, but I don't like you. It's so common, you know, but it's going to happen. And I'm not up here to say, you know, this is all going to go away overnight when we begin to understand God's goodness in our life. It's not. And that's the exactly the reason why it's a trial in our life. It's going to be present every single day. And it's going to be testing who we are every single day. And it's going to provide another opportunity every single day for us to give God glory and walk in the goodness that he supplies to each one of us. Okay? So instead, Ephesians 4.32, be kind. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We have our example. We have our, our plan. And that's kind of the creed that, you know, it, we all go through trials, we all go through struggles, we all go through a past, we all have things that may be seeding our present mentalities, our present Uh, attitudes, our present situations. And we can always go back and say, yeah, but you didn't go through what I went through. Yeah, but you don't have this situation in your life. Begin to examine those situations and begin to see the hand of God's goodness. He's revealing those things to you so that you can bring them to him and he can help you change them. So they no longer feel like a burden. They no longer feel like a trial. They no longer feel like affliction. They become something like the weightlifter. Man, I can bench 240 today, right? I, I, I used to not be able to bench 45 pounds. I think that's how much the bar weighs, right? <laughs> Slap on some steel on the ends and boy, I'm, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to go have my cheeseburger and go home. So this leads up to our last point. God's goodness requires a response from us. Amen? So here we have a set of instructions from God. Again, this has got to be filtered through the understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives and why he's provided, why he's so valuable. Because if we just charge out and try doing this stuff on our own, we're going to fail miserably and we're going to We're going to be right back under the same discipline that we may be trying to avoid. So it says, get rid of evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Ouch. Sorry, honey. Did I I speak to you anything bad this morning when I was waking up? I just want to make sure. Okay. Like newborn babies... You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience 
of salvation. Because it's when we're walking in this experience of salvation that we draw other people to Christ. We raise the, the level. It, it's in that that people want to be saved when they see us acting in ways contrary to our human nature. It's like, why didn't he get mad at me? Why did he provide for me? Why did he give? Why was he kind? Why was he patient? Because it's in those moments that we give God glory and we give him what is due through our actions and through what we surrender to. And it's also where we begin to understand what the true definition of love is. When we see how Jesus demonstrate love, it, he went through hardship for our good. Sometimes we look at love as simply being what we receive, how somebody makes us feel. But it's so deep, much deeper than that. It's me choosing to be disciplined by God. It's me choosing to go the high road and allow God to change me so that I then can respond appropriately in the same fashion as Jesus and be able to give myself as a living sacrifice to somebody's life that needs God no matter what condition they are in towards me. Does that make sense? So whether they're treating me nicely, whether they're disrespecting me, whether they're vomiting on me, it's really pointless once we grow in that spirituality, that, that maturity of Christ, because then we're able to respond appropriately and give them life, even though they may, get, may be giving us death. It works in relationships. It works in, uh, I mean, spouse, spouse relationships, family relationships, church relationships, personal relationships with friends. It's all across the board, even at work. How do you respond when your boss gets mad at you for something that you feel wasn't wrong? How do you respond when somebody gets promoted before you do? How do you respond when you do get promoted before everybody else? <laughs> Do you flaunt it? Oh, yeah. I got two BMWs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who wants a BMW? <laughs> so the last part of that verse says, then cry out for this nourishment. If you find that you don't have it, that's okay. It's not like we're going to stand over you and go, shame on you. I got it. How come you don't have it? No. We are to have compassion on those that are struggling in the faith. The, the last part, I don't know how many people actually read the book of Jude. It's one book or one chapter, right? The first part is pretty brutal. It's all like, you know, all these evil spirits and they're condemned in darkness forever. But there's a, a neat little nugget portion of verses at the very bottom of that. Very valuable. I, I would suggest that you go ahead and read it. Because it's really about God's heart. Because here he is explaining all of this stuff about all these evil people and evil spirits. And, you know, they're condemned to darkness forever. But then all of a sudden he changes gears. And he says, but have mercy on those that are weak in faith. Guide those that are lost. Wow. 
It's the heart of God. He loves each and every one of us with a love that we can never fully really understand. Is he holy? Absolutely. Without the sacrifice of Christ, we would probably, you know, become a speck of dust in his presence. But God's mercy and grace and glory, he has not required that of any of us. He said, I have provided a way of escape for you. I have provided a sacrifice for you. Don't come to me and say, I have not done anything for you. Come to me as one who is going to save your life so that you can know the freedom of salvation. Trust me that I am good, that I have provided a way of escape for everyone. But everyone has to make their choice. And what will help others make that choice is us being able to lay down our life and sacrifice who we are so that we can become mature in Christ and show them what salvation looks like. Amen? So, last verse, and this is, the, this is the hope that I want you guys to have. Abraham believed in a God that could bring something from the dead and create something from nothing. So here again, if you find that this is not in your life, this is not who you are, have hope, have faith, have trust that God can create something new out of nothing. If you've got nothing, he can create something. He can give you a dose of goodness that will produce life, and you will begin to see and experience who God is. We don't follow a set of creeds. We're not up here to peddle a, uh, uh, a religion. I'm here to introduce you to a holy God who is good, who is merciful, and wants you to know who he is in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your affliction, in the midst of your problem, even in the midst of your joy, lift him up. Bring glory to his name because he's worthy of it. Amen? Amen. All right.